This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. Dropped ball, man. You could have said, hello there. Hello there. Hello. How you going? Hello. There it is. Hello. <laughs> hello. Takes a few tries. Hello. <laughs> hello. There's an extra, three, four extra vowels and an R. And an R. Hello. And an R, yeah, yeah, yeah. In one, in one O. Hello. 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 I'm Ron. Anyways, uh, Ryan Key, also one of your hosts here on Think the Maker. Nick, um, it turns out to bring Ryan back to life, Nick (laughs) had to sacrifice his own life. Nick is now dead. I've been gone. I've just been gone. I'm sorry. Feels like ages ago. Ages ago. I'm upset and um, I feel betrayed and offended. I know. But you're making it better right now, one minute at a time on the podcast, so... We're making progress. I've been not sharing your text messages to me because I still consider you my friend and I don't want you to go to jail. Like I was <laughs> just going to post them on Twitter, but I thought, no, nah, it could get him in some trouble. I know how upset you are. It's brutal. But in Nick's place, we have someone younger, um, <laughs> in ways fairer, more accomplished, who brings more diversity and way less facial hair, way less facial hair to the podcast. Can we just say though that Nick? Is one of he's like one of those just he's an asshole with like being able to have the most like killer eh, just, I don't really give a shit like five o'clock shadow yeah, facial just, hair like he just has that just grew this beard today dude whatever yeah. Nick's that cool guy. Nick's like a cool guy yeah he's like Todd and we're like Beavis and Butthead and we have to glue <laughs> our beards on <laughs> <laughs> it's very true but yes we have a, a very beardless one here tonight our guest is friend of the pod. Heather Antos. Heather, hello. How you going? Hello there. <laughs> Do you like to have a chat? <laughs> God, all, anyone listening anywhere near Australia thinks we're the biggest idiots there. We're sorry. We're so sorry. We're not even trying to do Australia. We're trying to do New Zealand. It's even harder. We're yeah. trying to do clone. It's harder. It's weird though. D. Bradley Baker, it's, I mean, it's, it's Australian, New Zealand-ish. Yeah. Heather just said, we're, we're trying to do clone. Yeah. We're not trying to do Australian or New Zealand. We're trying to do clone. But We're trying to do clone. clone. Omega there is legit. Yeah. That's a Kiwi native. It's thick. But uh, Heather, as you may know, if you are a listener and you've been here for a minute, Heather has been on the podcast twice, once as a guest and once as a co-host. So you're here, you, here you are as a co-host again, number two. Well, yeah, I replaced Ryan last time, so welcome back. Good to see you. Yeah, this is nice. We didn't get to do the co-hosting together last time. No, we didn't. And Here we uh, are. I'm sorry I don't have a beard, but I'll try <laughs> for next time when I replace Adam, I guess, because that's kind of how it... <laughs> if you replace me or Adam, you don't have to do a shadow or a beard. You just have True. to get this weird little kind of prepubescent yeah. stringy mustache that we get. Yeah, what you're seeing on me right now is like 
angsty freshman in high school yeah. dating your daughter who's in junior high and you don't want the kid to come in your house and you're like, who does this kid think he is with that mustache? That's what I look like. <laughs> he can't be growing a mustache yet, no. but he did it anyways. He did when it. I, when I, the, the first month of quarantine, I was pretty low. That was a low, that was a low time. <laughs> and I decided, I've probably already said this on the show, but either way, said, you know, I'm just, that's it. I'm not, I'm going to see, I've never done this before. I'm going to see what happens. <laughs> and went an entire month and it was, so disgusting. <laughs> usually I use the word disgusting in a positive way. So if I like, usually if I say something's disgusting, that means it's amazing. Super like, sick. Yeah, exactly. It's that kind of Tony Hawk talk, you know, <laughs> but the proper use of the dictionary version <laughs> of disgusting is what my face looked like. Well, you have, you have photos, right? No, no, it was that bad. I didn't want to, I didn't even want to document it. So it was like, I guess you have to do it again. Yeah. Well, well I'm sure there's another bat eating disease right around the corner <laughs> for everybody to share. But I, it, yeah, it was so thin. My hair on my head is very fine. Very, very, my whole, I mean, my whole life, it's like tissue paper. Like a baby. And so turns out my facial hair also is just thin, straight, comes right out, just straight out. And and so there was a combination of like this oily, gross, thin, <laughs> like, yeah, you're, tw- you're 13, you shouldn't have a mustache yet, but I still look like that at 40. And also grays. Like, I don't have very many grays on my head, but my chin was just like full-on, gross, stringy, oily salt and pepper, and it got, like, long. I mean, a month. It was like a goatee. It was... You, you look like Lopan from Big Trouble <laughs> yes, in Little China. that's exactly what I looked like. <laughs> in the old wheelchair, Chinese yeah. girls don't have green eyes. That's exactly what I looked like, was Lopan. Yeah. And for the record, you're 41. I, I wasn't last year, though. Okay. <laughs> when I grew it out. Can we ease up on the aging? Simmer down. Halfway to 42. Woohoo! Heather, when we were your age... Um, <laughs> I still couldn't grow facial hair. It doesn't it's just It's okay. It's okay. I just I just I just breached I'm I'm thirty one now, so I'm seeing the other, so other grown. side of thirties. And uh, you know, everyone everyone has been telling me, Oh, your thirties are are you know, it's the new twenties and it's they're so much better and I've spent all of it in quarantine. So uh <laughs> yeah. all y'all are wrong. That's Off to a weird start. Lies. <laughs> a, a web of start. lies. Hey, well, I could tell you at least from my perspective, the older I get, the more I'm like, oh yeah, the years before this, the in the decade before this, I was really stupid. Everything I thought was real, I was wrong and I was dumb. Yeah. Except for Star Wars. Except for Star Wars, which is why we have a podcast. True love brings us here together today. Marriage. That was a Princess Bride. Right? <laughs> thank, thank the maker. A Princess a Bride. A Princess Bride podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about, we're going to get into some stuff about the first episode of the series I'm about to talk about, but that's later. Right now, we're going to start talking about The Bad Batch, season one, episode three. I say season one because if they don't make more seasons, I'm going to do a murder. They are going to make more seasons. They're going to. They have to. They've been so deliberate with announcing that the other things are limited series. Yeah. I don't see how why they would have like pulled a fast one on us with this one. and like, psych, one season... Like the Obi-Wan thing's not going to say season one. It's just going to be episodes one through six or however many there's going to be. Yeah, it'll say a limited series, like you said, right in the, yeah. the title. Let's, okay, so we have, we have lots of theories and we have lots of speculation. Let's go ahead and make that the theme of the after show content for this entire series. Where do you get that after show content, Adam? Turns out you can go to patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. It's that easy. You get access to it. 
Let's now, though, do this. What have you done with those plans? The Bad Batch, Season 1, Episode 3, Replacements, debuted May 14th, 2021. That was last week. Directed by Nathaniel Villanueva. Written by Matt Michnevets. The supervising director, I don't know off the top of my head, I'm blowing it, but we mentioned that person prior to this. The Kiner brothers, it turns out, are working on this score extensively. So not just Kevin Kiner, but his sons. It's, dude. Well done, dude. The score, man. It's on another level. It's it's got so many elements of the final arc of Clone Wars. When yes. we talked about the tr- pretty dramatic shift in tone and instrumentation, everything uh, for those four episodes, very much being carried over here. Super like ominous, grindy synth stuff that is I'm gonna say it done a little better than the dubstep. Mandalorian droid <laughs> scenes, but other than that, the Mandalorian soundtrack is one of the most perfect things ever created by man. How about of all time? But they're going for the same kind of thing, like like a, an electronic sort of dark thing. Absolutely nailing it. And I one moment in this episode really stands out to me when Wrecker is showing Omega her room. It's like this super sick uh, space ambient space sounding song, like. The kind of music you close your eyes and think about living on a spaceship with your yeah. friends, like th- that's what it is. And um, I, yeah, very impressed throughout all three episodes so far by the soundtrack. Carry on with your point. But speaking of the Kenner brothers, there was a little bit of um, speculation as to how many episodes we would actually get in the season because I don't think there was an official announcement. But confirmed in a tweet by the Kenner brothers who had like 700 followers on Twitter until they tweeted that they were... It's a great tweet. I wish I had it here to reference, but they talked about the final piece of the 16th episode, the final episode, just being fully tear-inducing. Oh, yeah. Two-part soundtrack, episodes 1 to 8, 9 to 16. We now know 16 episodes in the season. And we're going to speculate on the tear moment after the show. I'm here. I'm here for all the emo moments. I'm known as the crier, and I'm going to hold up my end of the deal and just keep crying. The only thing I'll say in show is I bet that Something along the lines of dun 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 dun, dun is going to play in that moment. <sighs> okay, that's for later. Let's get into it. Um, the Disney Plus description really, they really get down to the details here. The Bad Nitty Batch gritty. gets stuck on a desolate moon. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> Full stop. I mean, they did. They did. This is true. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. They did. That's the premise. They, they, the premise is you're not wrong. <laughs> but also my question to Disney Plus would be define stuck <laughs> yeah. because they got stuck and left all within the same space. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess it's not kids watching a cartoon friendly to also add to the description crosshair. <laughs> it opens a flamethrower on children. That's true. The Bad Batch gets stuck on a desolate moon, and brutal murder happens later. There's a lot of murder, death, kill going on. Yeah, but like, children murders, like, old hat in Star Wars. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The huge, you know, child murder. The to be fair, desolate moons are also old hat in Star Wars. Yeah. It's true. Well, there's a lot of moons. There's a lot, a lot of, of moons. Yeah. And some things that are actually not moons. Sentry moon. Um, don't you think that that one shot, man, of the pilot of Saw Gerrera's ship just getting sniped in the chest 
they're, they're, they're taking a little more liberty with, like, the, the murders. It's, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really... This show has been so fascinating to me because we've had dark moments in Clone Wars before. We've had dark moments in Rebels before. But like you said, like, never anything this viscerally brutal. Mm-hmm. But there's also... I'm really struggling with, is this a show for kids or adults? Because there, there's some stuff in this, you know, especially that episode two, where I'm like, oh, this, this show is for kids. This, yeah. this, this is a kid's show through and through, yeah. 100%. Eight-year-olds watch this, whatever. And then again, what we see with Crosshair and this, what we see, you know, I'm just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's a streaming service, so ratings differ. Um, also, I think, I think yeah. there's a different thing here where the Clone Wars was a new thing, and you didn't, you know, it's like... Mm-hmm. Now, now we know what that show was, and and you know if you really think back across how how many episodes were were that, you know we're we're like oh this is a kids show, and even covering it for the pod it's like some of those episodes were kind of a struggle to get through, even yeah. though it's Star Wars, and I'm not complaining that I'm watching cartoons for my job, but like it's great, but you know <laughs> that some of those episodes were just like oh this is nothing's happening here, like it's just it's like kids beep boop droid stuff, like it's not, but then. The last four episodes or, or or the, you know, season five arc when Ahsoka leaves, like all that stuff is is full on. How does a kid even understand what's really going on and the emotional yeah. weight of these episodes? Now you're watching this with like we are watching this with expectations like, OK, now we this is made by the same people that made the Clone Wars. It's what Wait. are they going to do? What's it going to be all about? So I think it's more similar in my to me than not to Clone Wars already. Yeah. I think the Clone Wars did that a lot, to, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. was like, is this for kids or adults? So I, they're just doing the same thing that they, you know, old hat, as you said. Well, I, I'm also very curious, and again, this is just privilege of being on the inside, as, as y'all like to say. But, like, you know, I know Dave Filoni had this idea for The Bad Batch, like, a decade ago. Like, this this whole concept of of this show and everything— was being talked about back when I was originally at Marvel and working on things. And we did, you know, all of that stuff with the Stormtrooper squadron and that. And that's when we first got concept art for this that was done ages ago. So I'm very curious on if we'll see any more specific crosses with Clone Wars because of that. And I hope to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the Bad Batch, but... It's also Clone Wars season eight. In it is, 100%. <laughs> a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. 100%. So in, in that sense, in terms of who it's for, it is just like Clone Wars in that the children, the literal children who grew up with it are now adults. Yeah. A lot of them. So it does have to ride the line of expectations, like Ryan said, and the very real sort of like business plan, demographic business plan of a corporation like Disney. Hey, we still need to appeal to young kids, which is where all of Star Wars lives in terms of the balance that they, mm-hmm. you know, the fine line they have to ride. So that all makes sense. But man, that one moment was like, it was, yeah, yeah. Like the whole, like the whole intention of, of adjusting the Han shot first situation was like, now forget that we're doing a real murder now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, I watched it a second time tonight before this. And the first time I watched it was kind of I knew, like I knew I was going to watch it a second time, so whatever it was, it was kind of on in the background. I was tuning in, tuning out, you know, for the first episode for whatever reason that day. This time I was fully focused, and that scene was like, okay, we're 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 doing something different here. Um, yeah, it was dark. It was dark. Yeah, it was it was like uh, for the opening scene in Force Awakens was a little yeah. bit jarring for Star Wars, you know. And this was yeah. 
on on par with that. And I think where we're going with with Crosshair and obviously like the first iteration of like Death Troopers, in my yeah. opinion, is going to be rad and for adults. Yeah, I mean it's it's truly it's 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 a very series defining moment and it's a very character defining moment like this is truly you know like we kind of got the sense from the first episode this guy is not going to be you know the hero of the story but yeah this scene <laughs> take that like throw her out <laughs> like that's a true uh villain defining moment for sure yeah. Yeah. toasty he just murdered that guy yeah in front of the other troopers like yeah, yeah. He was the one that he, the one he murdered was the one that was like the empire put a roof over my head and gave me a meal and right yeah guy sounds like Josh Brolin watch it again tell me I'm wrong all right let's get into this a little bit more specifically so replacements the name of the episode we would have to assume replacements refer to the conscripts replacing the clones as the, the new troopers Omega replacing Crosshair as a member of the Bad Batch and the Bad Batch replacing the part in their ship that is broken right. <laughs> Pretty simple there. Thematically, though, I think we're getting into a lot of sort of free will versus programming, and that's maybe the theme of the kind of the whole series in a way, in addition to whatever they do plot-wise and story-wise in terms of building the rebellion and being part of that or connecting with old clones and seeing where that paradigm shift from old clones to these new conscripts, what that means for, for the clones and what role they play in the rebellion or the empire or who knows. Right. And I'm excited about all of it regardless. Yeah. I think that's one of the coolest things about this series to me is it is such unexplored territory, especially from this perspective of, you know, really seeing the empire roll out across the galaxy. Like that was something that was, you know, again, we saw a lot in episode two, but I thought was really, really cool. And again, now we're seeing it from a more personal standpoint of like, oh, you're the next generation and I might not be necessary anymore. Like, what is my identity in this new empire? What is my role? Along with, do I even want to be a part of this anymore because of the decisions that are being made and this inhibitor chip that we're learning so much about. They're leaning hard on the inhibitor chips, mm-hmm. which, which I think is cool and yet to be seen how it all ends up. But I, they're doing a good job so far, I think. And like, you know, I think they're walking a fine line. Like you could lean too hard into that to explain away too many things, you know, but I don't think we're there yet. But I knew from the beginning and I didn't, you know, I wasn't on the show when you guys covered the first two episodes. But I would say that from the start of the show... I already knew that for me, the the highlight of the whole experience is this sort of backstory of the Empire. I mean, they're really going hard on it, and I'm totally into it. No, give me give me more Tarkin in any form, any day. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Every yeah. single time he appears, I just get so excited. Yeah, he's just <laughs> on the show, dude. Like, yeah. He's just a yeah character on the show. That's yeah. just so cool. Have either of you had the feeling like <laughs> Tarkin comes on screen and you're so delighted, but then you remember? oh, he's one of the most evil pieces of shit in, in all of Star Wars. Yeah. Yes, that is why I'm delighted. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, yep. Everything's really dark still in life, in the world. Yep. And we love the villain. Yes. Yeah, he, he's amazing. I mean, and how do you not love every second that Peter Cushing was ever on screen in his life? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I literally, you can't see it, but I have a whole like Star Wars villain shrine behind me with Thrawn and Tarkin and BT and Triple Zero, <laughs> and they're my favorite. 
you dark, dark person, you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this, uh, this episode, you can really boil it down to three things. We could go through a synopsis, but I, I feel like we should just discuss after saying the following. This episode is all about the Bad Batch stranded, like we talked about, on a planet. Their ship's kind of breaking down. They're dealing with some stuff. There's a monster. Omega has to kind of do a, a classic Joseph Campbell go into the, the deep, dark cave kind of thing to become whatever she's going to become. Crosshair is on a mission to Onderon to do a bunch of evil crap because he's now clearly the villain. And the Kaminoans are discussing their experimental next generation clone plans. And we're trying to figure out exactly what their intentions are. It's still pretty ambiguous. Do they care about Omega? Do they care about their business plan and their, and their shareholders or whatever? <laughs> you know, but that's, that's really the episode. And a bunch of cool stuff happens. Let's discuss. Something that just popped into my head, I found very symbolic in the Joseph Campbell moment for Omega. She consciously chose to put the flashlight down, mm-hmm. like to to give up her safety, you know, to her like childish sort of like, I'm not going in there because it's dark. I need a flashlight. You know, she like had the confidence to put it down and complete the mission. I think that was a very important moment for her. For sure. It's, 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 you know, the Luke and Ray putting trust in the force moments, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's very much what that is. And maybe literally. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Can clones have the force? It's possible, I guess. I mean, they are, they are born in a way like they're, they are living. Yeah, they are born. They have, they have blood. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's very much, we all hear it as kids the bee's just as afraid of you as you are of it, right? And that's mm-hmm. very much what this was. And it was a very vulnerable moment, a very beautiful moment, and a huge moment, not just for her, but I think the entire team in that regard. What I thought was really cool about Hunter's, not as much Hunter's reaction, but Omega's reaction to Hunter's reaction when she came out, he, he gave her another, what the hell were you doing in there? You mm-hmm. could have been hurt kind of thing. But instead of it being a, a moment needing someone else to step in and say, hey, man, chill out on the kid. It was more like, hey, I'm part of the team, right? Yeah. Like She said the mission was to get the part back, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got so it. So <laughs> she now is like, no, I don't need my other clone dad with the sideburns. Like, I know <laughs> what I'm here for. So I have my own comeback to you. And, bro, chill out. Like, thanks <laughs> thanks for looking out for me. But I'm here to complete the missions missions with you guys. The, the missions. <laughs> missions yeah i think that's more of an ego i mean honestly i think it was more of an ego thing on his part of like this didn't go the way i wanted it to yeah. and you're not listening to me i knew it was a bad idea to take you on this whole you know like it's kind of been yeah, like yeah, that yeah. dynamic this whole time and and she's just up to screw you i got it you know <laughs> shut up dad yeah exactly speaking of that scene too just one little thing i i, I noticed we talked about a lot as the clone wars went on how leveled up the animation continued being every season after season specifically noticing in this episode the animation of the gas mask things yeah and like how how much depth there was to like the yellow light in there and their and their mouths and everything moving inside like it's just it's just crazy like attaching a thing to their face but still having full animation behind it and the lighting and it's just yeah I noticed that specifically being like, wow, that is insane animation, those gas masks. Yeah. And dude, and overall, we we didn't talk about this all last week at all last week, but they're really doing, I mean, you can tell they're still using many of the tools that they used in Clone Wars season seven in terms of 
trying to make it more cinematic by actually mimicking the original, you know, the lenses that, you know, the, the first Star Wars films, they have digital versions of those. They're, they're racking focus. They have this kind of anamorphic look and it's, it's so embedded in the look now that I don't notice it until I go back and watch a second time. And I'm like, damn, there it is again. Son of a bitch is so good. (laughs) So good at at making it just look cinematic. Well, and the wipes, I mean, the wipes are always what gets me and everything. And and that's, I mean, when Rogue One first came out and that's what made it feel so Star Wars to me Mm -hmm. is it it understood what those wipes were and transitions. So a few things to discuss. We have kind of a short list. We talked about inhibitor chips being kind of a big deal. You have to assume that that's going to be part of the the whole arc of the whole show, right? Yeah. Getting to Rex, all that kind of stuff. One thing you guys mentioned, and you'll say this later in a certain point of view, but Wrecker. Rika. (laughs) Rika. Wrecker has a headache. He thinks he hit his head during the landing, but it's more likely the inhibitor chip starting to kind of get at him. Mm -hmm. Tech is creating a scanner to learn more about the chips. You think Wrecker's going to turn at some point? I think we'll see something happen. I don't know if he'll necessarily turn, but I think I bet like not permanently, right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it might be it might be an episode. Like it might be an episode. Adventure of the week kind of thing where Wrecker is the monster of the week because he yeah. certainly could be, you know. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's something like that or if it's something like he involuntarily does something and doesn't understand what he's doing or, right. you know, like he zones out and so most robotic or whatever. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot at play with these inhibitor chips. And, and yeah. I think it's, you know, going to play into that like choice versus obligation, yeah. um, you know, that we see. Because what I find very interesting about Crosshair and I'd be curious as the story progresses is how much of what he's doing is actually the inhibitor chip or is it his good soldiers always follow orders mentality? Mm-hmm. Like how much of that is just him? Cause he was pretty know? dark in season seven. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, yeah, there's that order 66 kicked in and, and obviously for some, some, not all of the clones clearly, but it was their time. I'm like, is that just an excuse for him to get to kill people? Because clearly he, yeah. he likes doing that. Yeah, <laughs> he likes the murder. So speaking of murder, this new elite squad of soldiers who are non-clones, conscripts, there's some really good sort of, I guess, historical social commentary on how and why an empire can come to power, how and why tyranny can start as hey, we hear you, mm-hmm. people who haven't been given anything by the, the establishment. We're going to then provide you with, you know, to almost quote this, uh, this one trooper, a roof over your head, a paycheck, food on the table. That, and like Admiral Rampart says, the loyalty is as much an asset as the training mm-hmm. and the programming of the clones. Yeah. So it's, uh, again... Like all of Star Wars, a bit of social commentary, a bit of sort of space adaptation of historical A, a lot of heavy-handed World War II Germany mm-hmm. yes. reference. Yes. Dare we say uh, current America? <laughs> hey. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know because I honestly, to just to counter that a little bit, I, there is this weird false patriotism that has in, infected so many people's minds, uh, no, in my sure. opinion. This is my, you know. Sorry out there if I'm not aligning with your beliefs, but that's just what I think. 
but these aren't people that are signing up for the military for a cause, you know, for like a belief system. And I think George Lucas obviously heavy-handedly, as I said, based the empire on Nazi oh, Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, you know, these scenes, even in this episode of the meal on the table, roof over my head, I mean, the Republic was sort of like they had all these high-minded things that were for the good of the galaxy, like the the Treaty of Versailles, where the actual German people were like, Yep, we are so screwed. Cool, but World War One happened and we yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we're 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 so screwed by the the Republic, call the Republic like the United Nations or the League mm-hmm. of Nations, as they were called then, right, in the forties. The the League of Nations is the Republic, like shaping the world and having all these ideas. Well, the people on the ground in Germany were were getting on the lower levels of Coruscant. They were starving and they were impoverished by these other people's ideas for how to rebuild their country for them. And I think that relates exactly like hand in hand with the with the Republic and Star Wars and we're seeing a very cool parallel that I think Filoni is leaning into because it was such a deliberate choice that Lucas made to say, well, people are going to start signing up for the army because of how bad things got under the Jedi and the Republic and the war. And, you know, it was Palpatine that masterminded it all, which is what makes Star Wars different from the real life version. But nonetheless, like the Republic was a tough place to to live at the end because of the war around it, yeah. you know. And so I think we're we're see, we're seeing they're they're doing a, a really good job in just tiny little snippets of showing at real everyday people um, either joining Saw Guerrera and and the rebellion or signing up to be a stormtrooper because they they want to fight for what they believe in and and take back what's theirs. And then you see a moment like the one in episode one where Palpatine's giving his speech. They're receiving it as people who you know number one clones who are programmed, but. Number two, and, you know, thinking about everyone else in the galaxy, they're seeing it from a distance. They don't know anything about the Sith. They mm-hmm. don't know anything about all the evil shit behind the scenes. They're just like, oh, these these Jedi who we don't think give a shit about us, they tried to kill this dude and overthrow him, and he survived it. Mm-hmm. And he's then going to bring us, he, he has all these promises for us to, the war's over, we're going to have peace, prosperity, stability, yeah, they're going to get on board. For sure. And we need all of you to enforce the peace, to keep the peace. Well, it's the the desperation of what we have clearly isn't working, and here's someone with a plan. So I don't know if yeah. I trust their plan, but they have a plan, and they're saying, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's that, like, I don't really understand it, but you're— But they're super confident. But you're saying the black and white of what I need to hear. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just an everyday guy. I don't work yep. in government. I don't. I'm not a, a high-minded politician yep. or engineer or yep. artist or whatever. I just I work. I go to work at the factory, uh, you know, on Alderaan, and I come home and I'm poor. And you're telling me that I can sign up for this thing and we're gonna make things better for everybody. And you know, then yeah. great. And and we know we know with the stormtroopers, you know, can't hit a. 30 foot wide bullseye one foot in front of their face with a blaster kind of thing that they really go out and are like everyone everyone come and join the empire you know mm-hmm. um i think back to that scene in solo where it's just like dude there's just hundreds of people flocking into that recruitment center like it was definitely a big push for them to say exactly what you said heather like here's what you need to hear mm-hmm. and people are like oh yeah that does sound good yeah on the flip side of all this 
you have Saw Gerrera. Heard of him. You're familiar. He and who knows how many more at this point are, they're reading between the lines. They, they know what's going on. They're seeing all the bullshit. And they're at the front end of this. But already Saw is actually, we're starting to see more of the, the cynical and sometimes kind of like ruthless, heartless, like, yeah, we're going to have losses in this rebellion kind of side of him that we that we end up seeing later when he becomes this kind of sketchy sort of gray hero who, yeah, is fighting for the right cause, but is so... I mean, he's blinded. He's blinded as much yeah. as anyone else is by the cause. And it doesn't matter what sacrifices have to be made so long as, you know, he defeats the empire, so be it. Yeah, we see it here. He leaves those villagers behind who get massacred by Crosshair and, and the goons. And this is just sort of is introing what he will eventually become that we'll see in Rebels and Rogue One. This this dude who is he's a radical. He's he's not part of the, the proper rebellion. Even though he's on that side, he's he, he lives kind of in the gray area because he's just I think he's very at peace with with collateral damage. Yep. You know, yeah, that's the thing that he has his own. You know, you can't fight that way if you're fighting against that would be the argument of, you know. Yeah, I, I think he, he's very much too of the like, well, if you're not going to fight with us, then, you know, you're just in the way. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's let's look at things this way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A certain point of view. Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. This is brief, but the two of you align <laughs> on one point. So I, I would have speak on it. I, 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 had I been able to be on the first episode of covering the show, I would have brought this up then last week. But yeah, I just respectfully I say this respectfully. So, like, you know, what do you think? I think. Wrecker bothers me a little bit because I think with a character like that, kind of like, I don't know, the big the big bully, bull in a china shop kind of strong man, there is a fine line between like, what did I say before we started? Something and stupid. I said, um... Stupid and not stupid? No, no, I can't. No, there's a fine line between, you know, strong man being kind of dull and like obnoxiously stupid. Yeah, like what's his name in, in Guardians? Uh Drax. Yes. Drax. It's, God, that's yeah. a great example, Adam. Well, that's yeah, that's uh it's it's as I was saying earlier, you know, like it's and and we're only a couple episodes in with him. Mm-hmm. So who knows, right? Who knows? You know, again, he's having this headache. Maybe maybe we get to spend some more time with him in, in episode four. But like it just and I don't mean the character, but the writing, the treatment of the character comes across as a bit juvenile to me, a bit shallow. Agreed. I just I just wish there was a little more depth to him. Like, all I know about him is he likes to punch things and, and he likes to blow things up. Because and, he likes to blow things up. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know, I think that doesn't only come from the writing 
which definitely comes from that. But we're dealing with voice acting here, right? And so I think it comes from the direction, too. Like, really think across these three episodes. His voice is always in one place at one volume at one Mm -hmm. level. There's no fluctuation to show, you know, like, even when he's showing Omega her her little bedroom on the ship which was such a cool moment like i loved it i talked about it earlier the music was so moving and but even then he's like come over here check it out like it's just in your face (laughs) all you know how cool would that moment if they just made the choice to have him take a a beat and like show a little bit of a softer side that's not like a goofy goofball i made this bedroom for you ha 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 like uh really showing some type and and i mean you know that he does care about her. That's why he did it. But I'm just saying, what a what a missed opportunity, in my opinion, to show like, you know, a softer, a more softer emotional side, side of the yeah. character. I feel like across three episodes so far, uh, it's just been very monotone. That's a good word. Yeah. I think. Whereas everything else around him, the whole crew around him, feels very dynamic to me, both in their scope of of uh, vocal, you know, voice acting that they're doing and emotion they're displaying. And I feel like Wrecker's just like one, it's a one button thing. It's like on or he's not in the scene. <laughs> like, you know, and it, yeah, I don't know. I feel like they, they could have, that the galaxies, uh, or sorry, the Guardians of the Galaxy reference is like the best thing you could have said. Cause I wouldn't have thought of that, I don't think. And that's kind of exactly what I'm talking about. Same character, but such a better execution of, of it. So I, I look, I'm not going to not watch a show. It's not bothering me to the point of like, I can't, this is unwatchable at all, but it is something that I've been a little like, man, from the start of it. Well, if you're finished, well, allow me to retort. Um, you know who else wasn't well liked at the beginning and was pretty annoying to a lot of people and was kind of one note, kind of tropey. Luke. Luke is one example. (laughs) Um, you may be familiar with him from Star Wars. Uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka went from an annoying little teenager, like, oh God, all she does is just like have new nicknames for people and she's just annoying as shit to becoming literally, as far as I'm concerned, the best character in Star Wars. So maybe there are plans. Yeah, you know what? I can't wait for 10 years from now when uh, Rosario Dawson stars in the live action Rekka show. (laughs) And uh, I'll be first in line to see that. It's just called <laughs> Rika. And they spell it like phonetically. Yeah. R-I-C-K-A. Yeah. yeah. R-E-E-C-K-A-H. But you know what I mean? He could uh, he could turn into a much more nuanced character. We're only three episodes in. You know I, what I mean? You're right. You're right. They have plenty of time to change that. And I, I would guess that with all of these characters, I mean, they're all like, it's the trope batch. Is essentially what they are. Totally. Like, yeah. And they said that from the beginning. There was like an A-team thing going on here. Yeah. A simple one-dimensional characters who would then evolve, you would expect, into much more nuanced characters. So. Well, I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah. I'm not turning it off. <laughs> right. It'll be cool. It'll be cool. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark side. Oh, gosh. It's a Calicori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Welcome to the Den of Antiquities. Hello. Hello. It's dark in here. No one knows who they were or what what they they were were doing doing there. (laughs) Stonehenge. Um, (laughs) Thank the maker. 
a Spinal Tap podcast. Yo, you know that shit was five bucks on iTunes recently, and I bought it. What a great film. It was really hard to watch <laughs> when my band was about to go into hiatus, though. <laughs> yeah. Really Triggering. rough. We watched it on the bus once and we were like, dudes, is this even funny anymore? Oof. Yeah. Dark. Um, just a few. The GH7 medical droid scanning crosshair when he's in the fMRI tube kind of thing. Same model as the one seen in Revenge of the Sith with Padme when she d- dies of sadness. <laughs> um, slash gives birth. <laughs> She's lost the will to live. You said it, man. <laughs> So strong. Such a strong character until she's too sad to live. Yeah, we don't know. She seems to have lost the will to live. Uh, um, moving on. Moving on. One of the conscripts in the the elite squad of troopers, mm-hmm. She, this character, at first glance to me, looked a lot like the Battlefront 2 character, Aiden uh, Versio. Versio? Yes. Yeah. Aiden mm-hmm. Versio. Very much. Yeah. But in terms of like the the time in which this takes place, the time in which... Battlefront 2 takes place, doesn't make much sense, and we know enough about mm-hmm. her father, he's a character in that game as well, that, that kind of got thrown out, but she looks a lot like her. Uh, but also, and this is more likely, looks like Commander Elian Zara, is that how you say the name? I think so, Zara. Elian, that name, <laughs> from uh, the Will of Tarkin comic, which is, Heather, I looked this up, hoping that you had edited this, but this was after your time no. at Marvel. Yeah. So you... I can tell us nothing. <laughs> you know nothing. Sorry. But <laughs> it seems to line up. This character in the comic becomes sort of like a, a direct, not an apprentice of Tarkin, but works directly under Tarkin, is super ruthless and coming up the ranks and wanting to be sort of uh, mentored by Tarkin. So maybe... It would be very cool if you called this now and it turns out to be true. We're going to see. I mean, I can't take credit for this. I found this in one of many YouTube videos yeah. that I researched, but it would make sense. It'd be a tie-in, and maybe, Heather, you can tell us more about how this stuff goes down <laughs> at the end of this segment. Moving on. Imperial officers are now carrying Imperial code cylinders in their pockets, the things that look like pens, mm-hmm. because chain codes, they're everywhere. It's happening, and that's what those things have. We've seen that in, most recently, The Mandalorian, the Bill Burr episode, when they had to take that that little that little pen guy and take it over and stick it in the kiosk and get the files. Chain codes, they're there now. We're we're really making the transition to the empire that we knew from forty years ago. Speaking of Tarkin, now promoted from admiral to imperial governor. <laughs> <laughs> Foul stench and all. Really starting to stink. It's those cheekbones. Kind of foul. Tarkin. You stink. (laughs) I did it. You did it. Thank the maker. A Top Gun podcast. We're going to do Top Gun as a bonus episode for patrons. Sure. I don't know if we said this out loud yet, but we're going to do it. I'm ready. Project War Mantle, which was mentioned, we haven't talked about this yet, mentioned by Admiral Rampart. This is one of the, I don't know, few code names for projects that Jin and Cassian noticed as they were looking through all the plans in the, the Citadel Tower to find the Death Star plans. As she was reading them off, that's the it's coolest in thing. Yeah, that's the coolest thing. So dope. And I guess the idea is like the mantle. You know, that it's the kind of handoff from the old regime to the new mm-hmm. war mantle. Is is sort of um, the new conscripts, the new the new troopers, the the ones that can't hit anything with <laughs> with their guns. Speaking of that transition, the Imperial Crest, we actually see it. 
the Empire is the new Republic. They're already tearing down the signs. They're putting up the new stuff. There's one on a tower that stood out in that kind of checkpoint thing on, um, I can't remember which planet. It looked like the checkpoint in, in Solo when they were trying to get mm-hmm. through the, uh, you know, the spaceport or whatever. There's a nice little tower. There's a, a guard up at the top, and it's got a big, bold, can't-miss-it Imperial crest. I don't know if you guys watched the show, but I'm very tempted just to say, under his eye. Oh, God. Real talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just watching season four right now. <laughs> um, and, um, my girlfriend hasn't seen it, so oh well. we're in season three now, like season okay. episode five, maybe, of season three. This is way off topic. Thank the Maker, a Handmaid's Tale podcast. <laughs> I saw the review, the critic reviews are pretty middle of the road. And overall, it's like one of the main sentiments is that like it's too dark. Well, that's that that's a thing. The like, new season when... is too dark. Yes, exactly. It gets darker. And so, but with, with don't you know? No spoilers needed. I'm like, no, none. okay, that means your 65 is my 98 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, <laughs> I am yeah. so ready for the darkest shit possible. Well, see, see, here's here's the thing with that show for me. You know, as as a, as a single woman watching that show, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it hit, it hit, and I won't any spoilers, but there was an episode in season three that it hit. I'll say when they when they go to DC. Yeah, that's was, we literally watched it last night. Like final final shot is you know the monument yep. over the mm. over yep. the pool. Like yeah, dude. so when they when they hit there and removes the bonnet and you see you know everything like that was a moment for me where like normally i can binge through anything i'll binge through 12 hours whatever i'm fine i hit that episode and i'm like i need to take a break i need a break i need to watch (laughs) spongebob before i go to bed yeah laura Laura is like we'll we'll be watching she'll be like we we gotta take a break (laughs) yeah i can't i can't do this this is this is too real for me like yeah (laughs) anyways there's a cool empire it's you know yep it's an empire vibe, so yep. loosely yeah. relates. But yeah, hey, out there in podcast land, if you like shows that make you feel so black-hearted on the inside, like <laughs> your soul is a dark, cloudy blackness void of the sunken place, just watch The Handmaid's Tale. Lastly, in the den of antiquities, before we talk about the thing that I'm excited that we have Heather here for, for which we have Heather here, Human Troopers have red blaster bolts, the clones have blue. Just another transition to that's echoing that deep, dark, evil Sith behind the curtain. Pay no attention to the Sith behind the curtain situation that we're dealing with right here. Mm-hmm. First, this is the first, right? The first instance of red blaster bolts in animated Star Wars? You know, I short of so. Rebels, I guess, right? Yeah. 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 Making the turn. To the dark side. The dark side. Staying... In the Den of Antiquities, but moving on, or moving back to episode one of this series, I'm so stoked, Heather, we have you here to discuss what I think some people are bummed on, but ultimately, like, it's probably okay, and you're going to give your perspective on this, the inconsistencies between Order 66 that we see in this series with Caleb and the Kanan comic version. Heather, you were the, or one of the editors mm-hmm. on the Kanan comic. What was your actual role? Yeah, on Kanan, so that was one of the first comics I worked on when I was at Marvel, so I was only assistant editor on that book. But I did work, I worked a lot more on the um, visual and artistic side of things for that book than I necessarily did for the comic side. The comic side, 
for that was basically, at least the first six issues were already like in and locked when I got moved onto it. Uh, They were written by Greg Weissman, who, uh, for those who don't know, Greg Weissman was one of the showrunners and writers for Rebels season one. And I think that's the only reason we were allowed to do that comic in the first place was because we had someone... Um, so involved on the project as is. So being a person who worked on this story in the past, as you're seeing this unfold on screen in an animated series, what was that like? What were you thinking? Yeah, so it's funny. I didn't, first off, I didn't know that Caleb was going to be appearing in this. I didn't know they were going to do that little Rebels crossover. And I I was tweeting about this. Like, I got a little emotional to see my boy Caleb in, in this moment. Because I remember working on this specific comic where we see, you know, him um, encounter his team and when Order 66 happens. And, you know, what I said is... You know, in those comics, it's a very personal first perspective of him telling the story and him telling his experience. Um, And as we all know, like over time, especially with traumatic things, we shift things and leave things out and, you know, change things around. And even someone else in that exact same room is going to have a completely different retelling of that story as he is. And and what we see in The Bad Batch is, I think, a more objective third-party perception of that moment. So, But also it's entertainment and media and all things are going to be different. And oh my God, don't nitpick this stuff to the point where you cannot enjoy <laughs> yeah. it. This is Star Wars. Enjoy the fact that we're getting more Star Wars. Preach. But yeah, like, I think all things that we see are true from a certain point of view. Nice. So some of the the standout differences, you're talking about being on the kind of visual side, the look of the troopers who were there, aside from the Bad Batch, mm-hmm. the main one that we see in the Bad Batch, he has sort of a green color scheme. In the comic, it was different, right? It was... Yeah, yeah. I believe they were, like, orange. More like that, that yellowish-orange, like, uh, Cody kind of thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was like that. Yeah, like, the colors were a bit different, but to me, I'm like, that's just nitpicking yeah, yeah. stuff. Also, Dave Filoni's at a point where Dave Filoni's going to do what Dave Filoni is going to do. Yeah. And as I like to say, everything is canon until it isn't. <laughs> yeah. So... I guess just briefly talk about how how you see this treatment of what is canon officially in Star Wars non uh, non screen content versus what Marvel has been doing, taking seventy years of comics and then creating a whole different cinematic universe. I don't know. How do you feel about this? Something that you've worked on being adapted versus the approach of something like Marvel, the the MCU. I think it's all super cool and I want to see more of it. Like it's, it, you know, like that's just kind of where I am at, at, at all of this stuff. I do. It's really cool for, you know, oh, this is something that I worked on and I get to see how someone else envisions it and someone else wants to bring it to life and what stood out to them that was important to tell and what connected, you know, as we see with this scene with Kanan you know, the brass tacks, the bare facts are still the same. You know, he was with his team of clones. Order 66 happened. It turned. They turned on his master. His master told him to run. He had to run for his life. He became Kanan. All of that is still true. 
Um, that doesn't change anything. And if the elements that Dave Filoni decided needed to be changed better serve the story at the at the long run and the emotional impact is still there, then great power to them. I'm for it. I teared up. I got emotional. It was fantastic for me. Same. I thought it was extremely well done and haters going to hate. Um, <laughs> but like the MCU stuff, like that's always really cool too because you never quite know what they're going to do with some of this stuff, like, I'll, I'll never forget when Doctor Strange was being made and we were learning, you know, what Studios was doing so we could, like, kind of, like, tie in the comics and do something along those lines. And we found out, like, Dormammu was the villain. And we're all in the office, like, Dormammu? Like, who the <laughs> fuck is that? You know? <laughs> This, like, C-level, D-level villain that, you know, no one's touched in forever, but okay. You know, and, like, that's that's always fun to see, like, where Kevin Feige and, and the other guys out there, you know, like, they're true fans, too, clearly, because they're nitpicking and finding characters like Dormammu. You know, we're getting Shang-Chi, like, characters that yeah. uh, you wouldn't have thought twice about. I mean, no one thought twice about Iron Man before that movie yeah. came out. Um, Dude, I, had ne- I, I don't think I had even heard of Iron Man until yeah. that movie happened. Yeah, so it's it's really, really cool to just see that sort of stuff. And now we're getting to the point of content where they're pulling stuff and, and things from, like, you know, the comics and times that I was there were seen with Ms. Marvel and Jane Foster's Thor and, and all of these things. And, and I'm just, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I just love this stuff. I just want more of it. And the fact that it's being released in so many different forms and mediums for more people to have access to and enjoy and bring them back to the comics or connect with other people and geek out over the fandom, like, that's what it's about. And it's super exciting. And yeah. So to summarize, it's all good. It's all good. Even Rika. Even Rika. <laughs> Even Rika. I love you. I know. All right, let's talk about favorite scenes, favorite quotes. I think we're going to agree on the favorite scene. I predict. My favorite scene is 100% the, I'm air quoting here, death troopers and crosshair on Andron. That was some heavy, grown-up ass military operation, Rogue One-esque Star Wars, you know, casting on the hill with the sniper rifle, like, stuff. Yeah. it Man, it just, the, the turn it took when he, when Crosshair, like, turns around and <sighs> tells it like it is, it, it's really intense, dude. It's, and cuts off the villager with the shot, like, mid-sentence. Yeah. Smokes her, and then... After an argument, shoots his own yeah. his his own trooper. He goes like, what's, he says something like, "So you're not going to comply?" Yeah, just yeah. like, "Okay, then you're dead." Dude, okay. So what's what's the comp? Like, what's a good reference to like I don't know, like platoon or something like that from like like what's a good like war movie comp for this character? Like the the path that he's on. Ryan, I'm I'm I was hoping you would have Yeah, yeah, P- Platoon is Platoon is really good when to, you know Tom Berenger just straight murders Willem Dafoe's char- I forget the names of the characters, but he was I mean he was already an evil guy the whole film, but that was very much like a double down. Yeah, like yeah. from here out I'm I'm on another level. Um so that that's actually a really good reference. I'm trying to think of another one where like a 
you know, you see a commander like there's just something like on the tip of my brain, like an the one who is just like the true believer, even though Crosshair was turned. But this just popped in my mind. Um the scene in Schindler's list where Amon, I think is his name, the commander of the camp in the film, R- R- Ralph Fine's character, when he's like telling the boy that he can go after uh like not being able to get the the stains out of the tub, you know, and he's like, I, I pardon you. Because Schindler had told him, you know, that's like, that's your greatest power is being, is being able to pardon. And he just, he couldn't, he couldn't handle it. So he goes out on the balcony and snipes the kid as he's walking back across. Like mm-hmm. the, yeah, the, just the true believer and like Crosshair is now again, like the, the, the blackest of souls, the darkest demon evil, you know, like he committed to it in that scene where it goes for him from here. I don't know, but. It's kind of on another level for Star Wars, no? Was it not? I mean, that was like... It felt like it to me. I, and again, I referenced the Force Awakens scene, like where they, you know, Kylo Ren just orders them all to mow down the villagers. That's, it's pretty similar, but... I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's Anakin killing the, the young ones. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's all that, yeah. Right. So, so I think I'm just, I think Crosshair has, has officially entered into the, that territory. But the comedic version of that, the dark comedic version... That was some straight, like, Jules Winfield shit, to quote earlier, like... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? I didn't mean to do that. Please, continue. Yeah. You were saying something about... Just best intentions. popped it off. Like, I don't give a shit. And he has that kind of strangely dark comedic, like, sense to his voice, too, of, like... Or at least the sentiment of, like, oh, I'm sorry... Am I am I doing something you don't approve of? You know, like yeah. Am I inconveniencing you? Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just I, when when we knew on you know episode one that he was going to be kind of the big bad for for the series at least for now. Can't say I saw mowing people down with a blowtorch coming. So definitely my favorite scene. Our favorite scene. Heather. Um, just because I wasn't here, I don't care. My favorite scene is um, getting to see Caleb Doom in the first uh, episode, um, and I'm Heather's, sticking to that. Heather's favorite scene of episode three is Caleb from episode one. <laughs> I'm back yeah. it. If you were pressed, though, for an actual episode three favorite scene. Uh, yeah, the scene from episode one with Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> the answer stands. Okay. The answer stands. I'm, I'm gonna. I I usually don't go super dark. I usually go like emotional, uplifting. But yeah, I'm gonna have to go with the same scene, dude. It's just, I think because it was so, to me, starkly like a line in the sand. Like we're moving this shit up to a new level for Star Wars. When he just cut her off and just blasted her mid sentence, and then killed. I mean, like I just said before, it was almost like. This is overly dramatic, but it was almost like watching the first season of their first episode of Ozark. I was like, okay, this is this is pretty cool. But when that dude went out the window and hit the pavement, I was like, oh, whoa. Yeah. I'm I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. It was an axis shifting moment for sure. Yeah. So there it is for me. What about favorite quotes? Well, I was going to say the one, you know, that definitely stands out. I don't know if it's necessarily quotable, but it's a moment that like makes you sit and think it's that we talked about earlier, skills can be taught, but loyalties, you know, that Rampart said, the loyalty of those who willingly enlist is what I see tremendous value in. Yeah. Again, not super quotable. Yeah. 
but very poignant. Right. Yeah. I think I would go probably with, uh, there's like a mission statement in here in this episode when um, Hunter says we don't leave our own behind. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a moment for sure. Ryan, your favorite quote wasn't Rika? <laughs> Rika. Anytime Omega says Rika, yeah. it's my favorite. Uh, I'm, dude, I'm going to keep it dark. I think my favorite quote, again, not like put it on a motivational poster, not cross stitch it onto a thing that hangs on your wall kind of moment like you folks are saying, but a really good kind of one-liner at the end to cap it to establish Crosshair is who we all suspected he would become. You want to know why they put me in charge? Because I'm willing to do what needs to be done. Good soldiers follow orders. It just that puts it in a nice, dark little bow. That's my stuff. Let's see what the patrons thought, though. It's a medal ceremony. So, as always, when we're covering an episode or a film, we pull the patrons. We give them five-ish nominations for favorite scenes, favorite quotes. And the five favorite scenes that were nominated are the following. Number one, the Havoc Marauder, the Bad Bat ship, crash lands on the moon. Just that moment of them crashing. The dialogue before and the actual thing. Nominee number two, Hunter and Omega tracking the Ordo Moon Dragon slash Omega successfully recovering the capacitor alone. Nominee number three, Commander Crosshair leading the elite squad on a mission to eliminate Guerrera's rebel forces on Anduron, the Dark Times. Fourth nominee, Lamasu and Nalase discussing the Imperial conscription program and deciding to use a new galactic sample for the next phase of cloning, which we didn't discuss enough. Maybe we can speculate in the after show thing. And the fifth and final nominee, Wrecker makes Omega her own room on the ship, on the Havoc Marauder. The winner, according to the patrons, if you want to be one of these people who votes, by the way, patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod is where you can get into that and all the other stuff and get access to our Discord server and all that good stuff. And you could be one of these people, maybe perhaps contributing to the 55% vote for Wrecker making... I did, holy shit. For Wrecker <laughs> making Omega her own room in the Havoc Marauder. The winner there, 55%. Second place with 19%, Hunter and Omega tracking the dragon and Omega doing the Joseph Campbell moment. So I'm a little surprised. So the listeners are not as in tune with uh, our charred souls. Our darkness? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and just no votes for, and no, and no one voted for the Caleb scene. I don't understand. <laughs> it's weird that they didn't vote for a scene from a different episode. It's really weird. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I did love the scene of the bedroom scene, though. Yeah, I did, and and for the third time tonight, the music was a huge part of why. For sure, it had this just cool. Um, there's a Danny Boyle film that I love called Sunshine, and it's a pretty dark film, but in the uplifting moments the music is like has this very cool bubbly sci-fi space feeling that's like optimistic and hopeful and like that was exactly what was going on in this scene and it triggered sunshine for me which is one of my favorite films and i don't know it's cool favorite quotes five nominees as well first nominee (laughs) the favorite on the podcast so far wrecker says when they're crash landing we're gonna die we're gonna die we're gonna be Number two, second nominee, Wrecker and Echo. They're talking about Crosshair after 
Omega pulls out his kind of uh, like rifle case. It looks like an SKB case that would have like some symbol stands in it. Wrecker says, uh, fine, I'll say it. I kind of miss him. He shot you, remember? Ha, I sure do. That hurt. Third nominee from Admiral Rampart, new character. He's talking about the new conscripts versus the clones and his sort of optimism for this new era of, of trooper. He says, Skills can be taught. The loyalty of those who willingly enlist is what I see tremendous value in. Fourth nominee, Omega and Hunter. Omega says first to Hunter, You shouldn't be angry at him. He can't help it. And Hunter responds, I'm angry at myself. We don't leave our own behind. Fifth and final nominee from Crosshair, one we mentioned earlier, when it gets really dark. You want to know why they put me in charge? It's because I'm willing to do what needs to be done. Good soldiers follow orders. The winner in the Patreon poll with 39% of the vote, Omega and Hunter. Omega says you shouldn't be angry at him. He can't help it. She's talking about crosshair. And Hunter says, I'm angry at myself. We don't leave our own behind. That's pretty good. It's showing her, showing the insight that she has. Number one, she she understands because she was a medical assistant. She knows about the inhibitor chip. She also has some additional senses, maybe four sense. Then Hunter showing that classic clone brotherhood kind of vibe. We don't leave our own behind. It's a good quote. I back that. Second place with 19% of the vote was our favorite, or my favorite at least. Crosshair saying to the other troopers, you want to know why they put me in charge? Because I'm a dark ass and I'm going to kill anyone just because good soldiers follow orders. Thanks, patrons. As always. You're cool. We like you. Closing thoughts, anything? It's good. It's a great show. Yeah, I mean, I again, didn't, not getting to be here for the kind of launch of our coverage here, just to say that I, I am absolutely loving every second of it. And I'm a big fan of stuff like this, like deep retconny stuff. Like, let's find out how the Empire really became the Empire. That's my favorite kind of thing in whether it be Star Wars or Marvel or whatever else. I love that kind of thing. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. And so far, 100% fresh for me. Heather said, uh-huh. Yeah, no, no, no. I I really enjoying this. I think it's kind of like Ryan said, like I like this sort of deeper dive into the character journey of how we, from a macro sense, have got to this place that we all just know and accept as the status quo in Star Wars. And especially going through it from a clone's perspective, even though they're not normal clones, but going through it from their perspective and seeing them question the part that they are playing and have played in everything leading up till now is, you know, it's very heavy stuff. Um, And I'm very curious to find out where these characters end up in the timeline. Same. And I I love, I mentioned this in in last week's episode about the first couple. It's like it's Clone Wars, but we have no idea what's going to happen next. The stakes are so high because... We don't know the ending. Anyone could die. I was watching those first few episodes like, are they going to make it out? Is this person going to die? And that's just a really cool feeling. It's a really cool ambiguity to have in this part of the universe. I love it. Like I said before, we'll speculate about some stuff. That'll kind of be the theme for the after show content, which is available to patrons at patreon.com slash 
Thank to Maker Pod. But before we wrap it up, let's do a quote of the week. This comes from an interview from far, far away news.com. And uh, Joseph Forbush is asking the questions and Kevin Kiner is answering. Nice. So spoiler, Kevin Kiner quote, only because I talked a lot about the music at the top of the show. So I thought this was cool. Question is, how do you know when you've hit the sweet spot when you're composing music for a specific character or scene? Kiner responds, I'm a baseball fan. I often use sports analogies. For example, if you go up to bat and you try to hit a home run really hard, you probably won't. You can't squeeze the bat too hard. You've got to relax, give it a good swing, and be free with it. It's the same with composing music. I can't get too uptight and stress out about how important this is, even though it is really important. When I overthink it, it turns out bad, so I throw it away. Sometimes it's better if I have a really terrible deadline and I have to do an all-nighter. Amen, Mr. Kiner. Always my best work. Continuing the quote, I think stream of consciousness works so much better because it just frees you. Dude, agreed. Yeah, cool insight from a very talented uh, composer. He does all right. He's decent. (laughs) Dece. So, Heather, you once worked on Marvel Star Wars comics, and then you went away from that, and you did some other things, but now you're back to Star Wars. You're working for IDW Publishing. Do you want to tell the folks a little bit before we go? Yeah, so, I mean, you basically just said it. <laughs> um, I, was, I was at Marvel, and I launched all their Star Wars comics and worked on those for several years. And um, after parting ways, I mean, I've not been shy about it. My goal has always been to get back to Star Wars in some capacity. And it's really funny. While I was at Marvel, I really was pushing them to do YA and middle grade Star Wars comics. I mean, like, Comic, Star Wars comics for kids. Why weren't we doing that? And funnily enough, that's exactly what IDW does. And that is exactly what I am in charge of doing now. So I run the entire IDW Star Wars comics line. I also run their entire Marvel comics line, which I also think is very funny and full circle. And awesome. Um, yeah. So um, definitely check those out. If you've been following the High Republic stories, we are doing the High Republic adventures. We also do Star Wars adventures and Star Wars adventures. We cross all over into every single era imaginable. We do stories on all of your favorite characters, including some of my very, very favorite ones coming up. We're about to announce a couple new series. Um, A lot of great things are happening. So if you like Star Wars comics, if you know a youngin who likes Star Wars comics, definitely check them out. So I assume you can't disclose the things that are coming out that you're working on, but if people want to keep up, with you and maybe find out real time as things are happening, where can they find you on social media? It's very easy, Adam. Uh, you can find me at, at Heather Antos on all the platforms where I tweet about Star Wars, penguins, and my dog. I like all those things. It's <laughs> a good follow. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and yeah. co-hosting again. We love you and we're happy to have you here. And uh, you're just, you're smart and you're a good time. Well, Thank you. Anytime, anytime. And I mean, do do the track record. I think you're you're who I'm replacing next. So uh, go on vacation or something. I may die soon too. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that ages well. <laughs> <laughs> and even if it doesn't, he'll never know. Yeah, you're right. He won't. I'll be dead. He'll be crying. He won't care. You'll be dead. <laughs> um, everyone, thanks for listening. Heather, thanks for being here. And until next week... May the force be with you.